morning. Welcome to the first virtual legislative forum in a series of three being sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Johnson County during the 2021 Iowa legislative season. Out of courtesy for all present, we ask those in the Zoom that they keep themselves muted unless speaking. My name is Eleanor Levin. I am a member of the League of Women Voters of Johnson County. Our timekeeper for today is Mary Jo Langhorn, also a League member. The League is dedicated to educating voters on political and ballot issues. We encourage informed citizen participation in government. Membership is open to people of all genders, age 16 and older. We invite you to join us. To learn more, speak to one of our members or reach out to us through our website or Facebook page. These forums are designed for local citizens, an opportunity to discuss current state legislative issues with their elected officials while the legislative session is underway. Today's forum focuses on issues related to the education. Co-sponsors for today are the Iowa City School District, Iowa City Education Association, American Association of University Professors, University of Iowa Public Policy Center's Social and Education Research Program, and the Grant Wood Area Education Agency. I would like to begin by introducing our legislators. Senator Joe Bolcom, representing District 43. Senator Kevin Kinney, representing District 39. Representative Mary Masher from District, District 86. Representative David Jacoby from District 74. Representative Amy Nielsen of District 77. And Representative Christina Bohannon representing District 85. We will start the forum with three minute summaries from each of our legislators on recent legislative matters of interest to them individually, starting with Senator Bolcom representing District 43. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, thank you, Johnson County League of Women Voters for your tenacious ongoing efforts, even in the pandemic, to bring us together to talk about uh, what's going on at the State House. And thanks to the co-sponsors on education today. Um, my colleague, uh, Senator Zach Walls, is not going to be with us this morning. He's our new Senate leader. And we have actually, if you don't know this, a special election on Tuesday down in uh, Tumwa. And uh, he's, uh, he's leading our effort to win that election. He's down door knocking this morning and sends his regrets. So I want to note that at the top. Um, we've been back a couple of weeks at the State House uh, amid a, a, a global pandemic that frankly is, continues to rage out of control here in Iowa. And we've returned to a State House where our colleagues who are in charge of the State House uh, safety precautions have decided that people that come to that workplace, whether they're members of the public or our staff or colleagues, uh, we're not gonna take basic precautions to protect each other. So kind of as a backdrop to our work of this session, we're, we are extremely disappointed with the, the leadership of the General Assembly, Speaker Whitford and, or, or Speaker Grassley and Leader Whitford and basically not mandating everybody that comes into that building um, has a mask. And it, it really, in, in my view, carries on really Governor Reynolds' failed approach to managing this pandemic over the last 10 months. Um, the legislature, controlled by the Republicans, has had virtually no voice in guiding our, our efforts to control the pandemic and recover. And 
their first effort to do that is to basically say, come to the Capitol with no masks. Um, and as we look at the kind of the first couple of weeks of policy that we that concern us that I sure I'm sure we'll talk about today is around uh, two bills that'll be taken up on Monday and move through the Senate next week that are going to really undermine the safety of our teachers and the safety of our kids uh, as the, as the governor basically mandates that we go back to 100% in person uh, instruction. Uh, it seems like she's settling a score with districts like Iowa City, Des Moines, that decided against her will uh, to do virtual instruction. Um, and this is the, you know, kind of the first, her first policy uh, bill out there is really, I think, to settle a score that she'd like to settle, settle with, with the, our larger urban districts who have the challenge of educating our kids during this pandemic. She has another bill that's going to privatize uh, or allow for private school vouchers. Uh, and I think the people on this call think that public resources ought to go to our public schools. And uh, there's a lot to talk about today. I'll wrap it up with that. It's great to be here. And I look forward to people's questions this morning. Thank you so much, Senator Bolcom. Senator Kevin Kinney, representing District 39. Hi, I'm Kevin Kinney. I uh, represent Senate District 39, which uh, is Western and Southern Johnson County, Washington County, and Keokuk County. Uh, it's, it's kind of been an interesting first two weeks at the Capitol. Just uh, you're, you're kind of having to relearn how to do everything because we've changed uh, the way that uh, we operate up there, uh, not having our clerks with us uh, uh, to uh, not having our staff, uh, they're working virtually. So you're, we're learning how, how to Zoom uh, and uh, have a lot of uh, conference calls. Um, I am the ranking member on judiciary and we've kind of hit the ground running there. The first, first day I was given uh, 30 bills by the committee chair, uh, Senator Zahn, and uh, it's just kind of been building from them, from there. Uh, a couple of the bills that uh, that I'm, I'm actually chairing, uh, uh, sexual misconduct uh, by law enforcement, uh, is if a law enforcement officer has someone in custody before they ever get to the to the jail, or once they're uh, in a uh, uh, holding facility it's not illegal that to have any type of sexual acts with them. Uh, and we are, we are looking at uh, changing that. Um, and then another one is obscene uh, material. Right now it's, it's fine for a parent to show uh, their children uh, obscene material. But the problem, even when I was an investigator that I had was, uh, there are people that are on the sexual offender registry and those people are um, grooming their own children or, or uh, uh, children in which the, who they have uh, control of and uh, are showing them uh, very violent, uh, uh, obscene material. Uh, the other bill that, uh, and there's one other bill that, uh, uh, 
Representative Jacoby and I have been working on. It's a, a bill dealing uh, with a death that occurred in Johnson County where a young man was uh, at the reservoir and drowned. Uh, his friends wound up taking his money, destroying his cell phone, and uh, did not report to anyone that this young man had drowned. Uh, and we are looking at uh, making uh, uh, this a, uh, a law where you have to report someone if you know if they're injured and or uh, uh, deceased. Uh, uh, this is coming up for a subcommittee for me on uh, Monday and we're starting the process. Thank you, uh, Senator Kenny. I look, I look forward to hearing everyone's questions today. Thank you. Our next opening statement will come from Representative Mary Masher of District 86. Thanks everybody and good morning. Um, we have been present. Did anyone notice that on Wednesday we had an inauguration? Um, I was in meetings all day, so I taped everything. So I have been savoring every minute of the inauguration ceremony and all of the events around it. Uh, so I've been eking it out over the weekend and just, as I said, savoring every minute. So I think we have a lot to be thankful for and rejoicing in. And I just wanted to start off on a really positive note because it'll go downhill from here. Um, I did wanna also, Matt Degner is on this call today and the board is going to be making a decision on Tuesday night to make Matt the permanent superintendent for the Iowa City Schools. and. I wholeheartedly endorse that and just wanted to congratulate Matt a little ahead of time because I won't be able to view that on Tuesday night, but um, just wanted to let folks know that we're really excited about Matt being the permanent superintendent for Iowa City. He's Thank you, Mary. I really appreciate very, that. <laughs> you're welcome. You've helped us through a very difficult time and um, I know that there are many on this call who are also very, very appreciative. So thank you. Um, I just wanted to thank all the education groups and the league again. Uh, you are always such a wonderful support to us and are always so engaged in what is going on in Des Moines and we couldn't do our jobs without you. Everyone on the call, thank you for tuning in. We do appreciate that. We wish we could be there in person and be a part of this. I think that will be coming um, maybe next year. <laughs> I'm, I'm very hopeful that that will um, happen in the near future. But I did want to just start by saying the education bills that we're dealing with are really, really upsetting. I don't know how else to say it, whether it's vouchers, private charter schools, or having kids 100% in-person education. I don't know of a single teacher, administrator, or parent who doesn't want kids in school 100%. But if we want our teachers in school, then vaccinate them. We've got to get the vaccinations to all the staff and the people who work in those schools in order for us to be in a safe environment. And that's all we've ever been saying. And that's all I've ever heard from teachers. I, it is not ideal to be online. And I don't know of anybody um, who that works really well for. It doesn't work well for students who are struggling. It doesn't work well for the teachers. And so everybody wants to get kids back in school full time and we're doing everything we can to get there. But if you can't do it safely, 
especially with the new strains of the virus. We don't know. We see that the, the uptick in students getting sick. And so you've got to start thinking about what is practical. And I agree with Senator Bolcom. Uh, the governor has not managed this well, and it's made it very difficult. And she is into this punishment mode, which makes no sense at all. So I, I get frustrated about that. I'm watching for Mayor Joe's um, time hey, here. But I, just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that um, the university is under attack. Um, we have had bills this week that are absolutely blood curdling. I don't know how else to put it. Um, the bill that I sat in on the other day was one that would have required the legislature to approve all university revenues that came from anywhere other than the state. I mean, I, it was just mind boggling. And the universities were there and the regents explained how that would be an enormous on them. And basically we would be taking over the job of the border regions. That's their job to oversee all of that. And everything is public. So it didn't make any sense for the universities to have to report everything and get approval. So I said, you know, the University of Iowa has been very actively involved in the COVID research. They did a lot of the vaccination uh, testing. And so if we had to wait for approval because we got money from some other outside entity then it makes no sense. It could slow down our our process for being able to keep people safe. Thank so you, Representative Masher. Some of the others. You are welcome. Yeah, thank you. I do want to go on now to Representative David Jacoby from District 74. Well, thank you so much for hosting the forum and I appreciate our sponsors today. Uh, I'm Dave Jacoby. I serve on Ways and Means as the ranking member in the House on Commerce, Economic Growth, and Natural Resources. And I'm also on the House Leadership, House Democrat Leadership Team. Uh, there's something going on in Coralville this weekend, the Girls State Wrestling Tournament. And that's being held at the Extreme Arena. 477 girls are wrestling this weekend. 477, it's time for Iowa to sanction girls women's wrestling in Iowa. Now, have I gone? No, because uh, for me, the state capital is enough of a Petri dish. I'm not gonna go to uh, a large event like that, but next year I certainly will. And speaking of vaccinations, obviously our teachers, all essential personnel need them, but the rollout has been absolutely awful. And to find out this week, that Trump lied, out and out lied about having vaccinations in, in storage to get people ready for the second shot is just astounding to me. I can't believe that that's not the lead in every day that you lied about the number of vaccinations that we've had in reserve. Uh, I look forward to the discussion on schools today. Uh, I have a proposal that I've proposed for the last number of years I call it my full steam ahead proposal, where schools are funded at 3% every year, plus 1% for any new or innovative STEAM activities they provide in the classroom. So that'd be three plus one every year, and what would be funded on a two-year cycle. So we don't have this annual argument. But uh, I want kids back in school. I think we need to get the teachers and staff vaccinated first. 
it seems like such a simple thing. And that's why it's so confusing to me that in Des Moines, uh, a lot of our co-workers at the state capitol, many of them not wearing a mask, don't feel the same way. But looking forward to the discussions today. Thank you so much. A representative, Amy Nielsen of District 77. Good morning. Thank you, uh, League of Women Voters, for hosting us. And, um, you know, good job on, uh, on transitioning into this time of everything virtual. And um, I think everyone who I've been, um, in, you know, had to do a legislative forum with or something has just done a really good job of um, making all the necessary changes. So um, kudos to everybody. I think that this will make things a lot easier going forward, even when we can get together um, in person. Um, so uh, this year I changed up my committees a little bit and I'm ranking member of local government, which is exciting because of my uh, local government background, hoping that we can do some, some uh, good things in that uh, committee this year. Uh, but I'm also, uh, still on commerce, ways and means, and the um, administration and regulation budget sub, in addition to the administrative rules review committee that meets every month, whether we're in session or not. Um, I, I haven't really seen any um, bills come through other than, uh, you know, the abortion ban and the constitutional amendment to add strict scrutiny to the right to bear arms. So, uh, those are big enough to worry about, um, along with all of the education things um, that that have been passed down. Um, but I just really want to say how disheartening it is to be up here in Des Moines, because I'm still in Des Moines, um, around all of the people who, who don't respect their colleagues who are equally um, elected to be there and constitutionally required to do a job and we're unable to do it effectively. And for the majority party to actually take steps to make sure that we can't do our job, um, it, it, it just goes beyond rude. It's, I mean, it, it's flat out tyrannical. Um, so we will once again be dealing with some uh, pretty nasty tactics on the part of the Republicans up here. Um, uh, I, my family made the decision that they don't want me up here with um, all these people and then coming home to a house full of, um, of kids. Um, so I'm not able to go home and that's purely because of people's selfish and, and quite honestly stupid decisions. Um, so I look forward to uh, hearing your questions and talking with you this morning. Thank you so much. Our final opening remarks will come from Representative Christina Bohannon of District 85. Well, hello, everybody. I'm really sorry that my video, it, my video was on like five minutes ago and it just completely stopped working. We have new computers from the legislature and I have to say, so far I have had some issues. So I'm really sorry. I'm gonna try to switch out computers in just a few minutes um, after I speak and, and uh, hope that I can get my video back on on a different computer. So anyway, I am really happy to be here. Um, thank you to the league for doing this and sponsors. I really appreciate it. I love seeing how many people show up to this. So it's wonderful. Um, so this is my first year in the legislature. I am, uh... can you all hear me? Okay, it's showing, it's showing me on mute. I, I, 
I don't know what's happening here. Um, anyway, um, it's, it's my first year in the legislature. I'm really happy uh, to be there. Uh, it, it's very exciting. It's, um, it's, it's incredibly interesting. Um, and I'm on a judiciary, a state government, the information technology committees, and then the, uh, the agriculture and natural resources budget subcommittee. Um, and uh, I already have about 10 bills I'm working on in judiciary. So it's moving very, very quickly. Um, you know, one thing I'll say is it's, it's been it's been really interesting, uh, you know, to be a new new person there. And um, I'm, I'm so excited to be there. And I love the work. I absolutely love what I'm doing and love the work and love my caucus. It, it also is pretty disappointing to see that uh, at a time when all these terrible things are happening in the country and we see such division and uh, people calling for unity, calling for bipartisanship, that um you know, I came into this really trying for that. I really wanted to build relationships across the aisle, find opportunities for bipartisan work. And, uh, and I really have been working on that and maybe making a little bit of progress. But um, it, it, I have to say the Republicans this year are making it very, very difficult because number one, they are um, introducing some very bad bills, uh, some very extreme bills. Uh, they're introducing an abortion amendment that would completely uh, eliminate the uh, constitutional right to abortion under the Iowa Constitution. They're introducing a very extreme gun bill that is not the Second Amendment. It is a much more extreme version of the Second Amendment, so-called strict scrutiny amendment. Uh, they are uh, introducing these education bills that uh, are going to be very hard on our schools and um, really subject our teachers and kids to unsafe conditions in the schools. And then, as Mary mentioned, the universities, they're introducing some legislation on our universities that, that are, first of all, completely unworkable, as Mary mentioned, the, the idea that the legislature is going to, uh, to approve all expenditures uh, from uh, non-state money. We're talking about federal agency money. We're talking about donor money. Um, every expenditure, you know, every every microscope, every paperclip, everything. The legislature is going to approve all of those things before we spend them. And it, and the bill says we're they're only going to do it once a year, as though we plan how many paperclips we buy once a year, and then uh, you know it's it, it's insane. I mean, it, it absolutely couldn't work. We would have to hire I don't know how many staff to actually you know, compile thousands of, of pages of documents about how, what, what we're buying and, and so on. And then the idea, why would you want to? I mean, that actually makes it harder for federal agencies to give money. It makes it uh, hard for uh, donors to give money. There are going to be donors upset by this, that the state is trying to approve uh, money that they're giving for specific research and specific scholarship purposes at the university. Um, I don't know why the legislature would want to make it harder for people to give money to the university. Um, and for that money to be spent in the state. That is a huge economic uh, uh, opportunity for the state. And I don't know why uh, the legislature would wanna do that. It's, it's um, completely illogical. Uh, so all kinds of things you know, happening like that. The other thing is it's, it's been very bad governance, frankly, uh, because they are not allowing public input into the subcommittees uh, remotely. And it's very difficult to come to the Capitol because of the safety, uh, the safety concerns. So um, I'll stop there. I know my time is up. I just want to say, um, you know, it, I, we are working. We really try hard for bipartisanship. But, you know, this year, I will say it's it's uh, they're making it pretty difficult. Thank you all for your updates on the legislative session at this point. <clears throat> at this time, we will begin. Uh, we will begin questions, starting with questions from the league. 
uh, followed by one from each co-sponsor, and then subsequently followed by questions from members of the audience. We remind all participants that questions are limited to one minute. That includes any backstory that you feel is necessary to understand the context of the question. Please do observe this time limit. The timekeeper is here to keep us moving so that we can have our legislators address as many questions as possible. Legislators, please limit your responses to two minutes. All legislators are welcome to join in responding to each question. From the league, decisions made in the spring term by the legislature regarding face-to-face -face learning have raised concerns about local control of schools. How do you expect the legislature to proceed vis-a-vis -vis local control in education and what should the residents be aware of? Ordinarily, we have sort of a natural flow to responses. I'm more than happy to call on folks if you would prefer, but if you want to just speak as you are prepared, that's also perfectly fine. Eleanor, it helps if you can call on us because then we're not talking over each other. If you would, that would be that helpful. Would absolutely I, be my pleasure. Um, just if I, if, I, if I could get some sort of an indication, if you have an answer, if you would like, I'm assuming you would like to respond, but if not, just feel free to say I'm, I'm okay, I agree with my, my colleagues. Uh, Mary, would you like to begin for us? Sure. Thanks. Local control has always been a priority for us as Democrats, and we've tried very, really and truly, we've tried to keep that pretty sanctimonious. We want people to be able to make those decisions at the local level. That's, that's the bottom line. And what we've been seeing is more and more efforts it doesn't matter in what area, whether it's city government, um, whether it's local government, school boards, or whether it's cities, we have seen an erosion of that local control. So they love local control and they talk about that home rule and all of that until it's convenient and they don't want to do something. So uh, we are seeing a, 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 just basically an erosion of that every single day. And you'll see many bills that are coming through the legislature that again, erode those local decisions. And uh, we try to fight them, but again, we're in the minority and it's very difficult to be able to get the votes to stop anything. Thank you, Mary. Uh, Thank you, Rep Representative Masher. Uh, Senator Kinney, would you like to speak? Sure. The, the, it, just being on a school board for nine years before uh, going to the legislature, uh, what's happening in in Iowa City or Click Creek Amana, where I was on the board, and it's happening in uh, southern or northern Iowa is, is so different. And we need people. Uh, those school board members are there to represent us. and. Uh, to make those decisions. And uh, I just think that, that uh, they're, they're taking that away from those local boards. And uh, I just don't, I don't agree with what they're doing. Thank you. Senator Bolcom. Well, thanks. I mean, I think the key word here is control. I mean, 
local or state control. We have a group of people in Des Moines right now that are emboldened. They just came through the election. They increased their numbers and they want it and, and they're there with the governor. They want to control what's going on everywhere. The problem we have with some of the key people making these education decisions is their experiences in is a rural Iowa experience. They have no understanding of of the challenges of our urban districts on this on the question of local control by school boards. And they, they have this one size fits all mentality. But I think the key thing here is they want control. They're gonna tell us what we're gonna do on virtually any issue. It was noted earlier by Representative Masher. Uh, you know, it's a it's local control is more of a talking point for them. They're total hypocrites about it. They, they, they wanna just control everything that's going on no matter if it's a district of 300 students or a district of 10,000 students and it's wrong. Thank you for your response. Representative Jacoby. Thank you. I think in retrospect, the one vote that I regret the most in my tenure at the State House since 2003 is allowing the governor to have complete control over state government during the pandemic before we came back this year. I'd really thought that she would work in a bipartisan way, not only with Democrats, but with local boards and commissions to fight the virus and also develop the best plan for our schools, whether it's K-12 or community colleges or the regions. So it, 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 it again, it, and that's where it just kind of punches me in the gut. I walked out that day going, I, I hope she does the right thing but I think we found that the governor is nowhere near able to handle this level of a crisis in Iowa, either medically or it, with our economy too. So it's, it's rather sad. Uh, and coming from the city government, as I do in the city of Coralville years ago, uh, I haven't seen local control for over a decade. And that actually coincides when, when Terry Branstad came in in 2011. Representative Nielsen. Thank you. Um, I just kind of want to echo Senator Bolcom's comments about the hypocrisy. Um, it's amazing the words that get thrown around like choice and and local control and things like that. You know how how different they become depending on the situation that um, is before us that day. And I think it's flat out um, wrong that the chair of the local government commit, uh, committee flat out said in her opening remarks, we all love local control well until we don't. And so that's what we're dealing with up here. Um, people who, who want to have control over everything. And um, Senator Bolcom also mentioned that most of these people have um, you know, experience in rural districts but don't forget that we also have an, um, in, uh, a disproportionate number of people who only have experience with homeschooling and they don't believe that kids should be um, taught by anyone but their parents. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely, um, we've got an uphill battle coming, coming in front of us again. Um, I bet, I, I'm sure Representative Masher, Representative Jacoby, um, and Senator Bolcom have been through this since their first year. I've been doing this since my first year and, this is, and I've only been there four years, it's crazy. So um, 
yeah, we'll, we'll keep fighting, but local control is definitely under attack. Representative Bohannon, do we have you with us? I'm here. Can you see me? We cannot. Sorry. I'm going to take this computer back um, and ask them to, to give me a new one. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything that's been said. Um, you know, I, I can't add much to it. I, I think that that local control really is just a talking point. It used to be something that the Republicans said they cared about. Um, clearly, that is not true when you're talking about Iowa City or Johnson County um, and uh, or Des Moines. Uh, so, you know, I, that really is a problem. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the truth is one size just doesn't fit all. And, and the governor actually admitted that right in, in the beginning, when she first started dealing with the school, she said one rule doesn't fit all. And now she's saying one rule fits all. Right. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, some districts aren't CDC compliant or, and, or others, you know, are, um, you know, depending on how many kids they have and whether they're in a rural or, or more urban district. Um, and so, you know, it's, there's just no consistency, no principle here. Um, the other, the one thing I will say is uh, in terms of, you know, what can we do to make things better? And I, and, and I think this is really hard. I, we're going to have to see, I don't know whether, whether there's much we can do, but the one thing I will say is that I do think that anyone who's listening here needs to be very supportive and patient and understanding with our local school boards. Um, I think that, that our local school boards have, have just been in a no-win situation. Um, they are trying to get kids back in school. They know parents need those kids to get out of the house and back in school. Um, nobody knows that better than our local school boards. Um, and yet uh, they are dealing with teachers being out, the inability to get substitutes, um, staff not not being able to come because people are either infected or quarantining. Um, you know, they're in a really, really tough, tough spot and trying to deal with these these uh, edicts from the governor uh, while trying to keep kids safe has just been an impossible situation. And so, you know, I would just say to please uh, be supportive and understanding of of the decisions, the very difficult decisions our school boards are having to make. Thank you all for your responses to the league questions. Our first question from co-sponsor will come from the Iowa City Community School District. Who is our representative from the Iowa City Community School District? Eleanor, I think it's Matt Digner and he put it in the chat. Okay. Expecting to read that. Yep, I will get that. Okay. So the uh, I, I did see the 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 comment in the chat, but it doesn't contain the actual question. Uh, so I didn't think that was what I was meant to read. Um, it says ICCSD question. Thank you for answering most of our of ours at our forum last evening. Maybe one you could expand on would be timing of these 100% instruction and the omnibus bill both. Okay, so the question is regarding what, what would be the expected or projected timing of the 100% in-person instruction and the omnibus bill. Um, Can we start with Joe on that? Or, I was, or, yes, uh, absolutely. And I, and, I think and we'll just establish a, a, a set sure, pattern. Sure, there. and, and the, I, I don't mean to tell you how to run your farm, but we probably don't, all of us know, probably don't need to answer every question if we're gonna get to enough questions. I would certainly agree. Um, in the Senate, in the Senate, there are two subcommittees on Monday uh, on the um, mandate to 
for 100% in person, as well as the governor's omnibus bill, which creates private charters schools and um, allows for private vouchers to be drained away from uh, public schools. We expect a debate that's supposed to be in committee this week, and it, we're scheduled at this time, I think, on Thursday in the Senate to actually debate uh, at least the, maybe both, but for sure the mandated uh, instruction and kick that out. I think the House has maybe got their own versions of these bills, but I think that the governor, their, their intention is to get this, the, at least the 100% mandate done as soon as possible. And I expect both of these bills to move really quickly. But I would think um, like the week after next, this could get to the governor's uh, desk for a signature on the 100% mandate. So Eleanor, I'll go ahead and jump in. Um, our whole goal in the house is to slow it down. And the longer we wait, the more teachers can get vaccinated, right? Um, the 1B group is who is next on the list. And we've been told that they will start getting their vaccinations um, beginning February 1st. However, the governor increased the number of people in that 1B group. So anybody over 65 and then those with pre-existing conditions may also get the vaccination, which puts them right up against our teachers our police officers and uh, firefighters in some of our areas. And so when you look at that again, um, it is competing for the same vaccination and we really need our teachers to get that sooner than later. So our goal is to try and slow it down by um, asking for a public hearing so that people can weigh in on it. Um, we're also talking about amending it in committee and on the floor um, we can caucus as long as we need to on any issue. And if we have to come back and work through the night, I'm willing to do that because it's that important. But I also think that um, we need to look at the, um, the Teachers Association, ISEA, ICEA, in filing an OSHA complaint because it's an unsafe work setting. And it's not the district that created it. It's the governor and the legislature. And so it would be a violation of OSHA guidelines in terms of what they are forcing districts to do. And again, putting teachers and students, quite frankly, in unsafe uh, work settings and unsafe uh, learning settings. So there you go. Um, that's what our goal and strategy is. So the longer we can delay it, the more people can be vaccinated. And that's our goal. Senator Kinney, Representative Jacoby, Representative Nielsen, Representative Bohannon, if any of you would like to add on to that, feel free to do so. Okay, I believe our second co-sponsor question comes from the Iowa City Education Association. Great, thank you. Uh, good morning, my name is Brady Shutt. I am the president of the Iowa City Education Association, which is the professional association teachers union that represents 700 educators in the Iowa City Community School District. Uh, thanks to the League of Women uh, Voters of Johnson County and to all of our co-sponsors. I know I speak for many of us in saying to our legislators that we you know, value you and we do worry about your personal health and safety and that of your staff and colleagues given the lack of uh, COVID protocols at our, our state capitol. I've come to know all of you over the years and I have a great deal of respect for you and urge you uh, to be as safe and well as you can. There's an overly used quote in politics that one should never let a crisis go to waste. 
And the legislative proposals in Senate Study Bill 1064 and Senate Study Bill 1065, and the fast tracking of these bills appear to us to be utilizing that philosophy. In the midst of an ongoing once in a lifetime deadly pand uh, pandemic, we see an omnibus bill that among other items will defund, defund public schools through vouchers and charter schools with little oversight, running parallel to a bill mandating 100% on uh, site learning. There is a COVID crisis. Rather than taking advantage of the crisis to fast track poor public policy, we urge our colleagues on the other side of the aisle to work on the actual crisis by developing statewide testing protocols, investing in public schools, especially our youngest learners and their families. Let's have a conversation right now about preschool and early childhood education. I know that's something that uh, Representative Master is passionate about, providing mental health services to our students and doing everything we can to partner with the federal government to provide vaccinations to our seniors and our educators and other essential workers. There are many teachers watching this forum and there are others who uh, you know, I know are on this panel. So my question is this, given the fast tracking of these bills, what are some specific steps that educators or members in the community can take in the upcoming days? And I would stress that it will be in the upcoming days to influence this process. Thank you. Um, before we move on to responses, uh, Mary Jo, our timekeeper, I'm going to ask that when you have that stop time that you hold it and continue to keep it up until, because I think with the Zoom, sometimes people don't see it go up. So I'm going to ask that you keep that up until, so thank you so much. Um, and I certainly don't mean to call Brady out. That's just something I've noticed so far in the forum that might be helpful. I'm talkative. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Representatives and senators, your responses. If I may, uh, thank you and thank you, Brittany. Uh, just, you know, we mentioned it's fast track. It's not really fast track. This started on November 4th. Uh, this was something after the election that uh, the other team has been putting together for months. The best way to fight it is how we reach out to our friends and neighbors that live in other counties and other districts and push them to push their school boards I'm sorry, their representatives and their senators to make some changes. The, omni the omnibus ominous bill is, uh, uh, is I, mean, I mean, it's earth shaking, but it, the back to school, I would look at February 15th as the date that you're, they're probably gonna target the mandate at 100% participation. And it's great to work from the uh, starting block about the virus, but 32 out of the 59 House Republicans do not believe that the virus is uh, causing a crisis at all. In fact, one actually told me, Dave, it'd be better if we took all our masks off and everyone got it all at once and we just got it all over with in a month. I just want to quick take a, uh, this opportunity to say uh, thank you to all of the teachers and the school staff um, that have been, you know, just amazing throughout this this crisis. Um, <clears throat> my, I've opted for my kids to do 100% online because we felt like that was safest and we were able to do it. Um, I know others are doing um, the in-person, you know, or hybrid, and so the work that the teachers have had to do so quickly every time that switch gets flipped, um, 
I can't even imagine. So um, Brady, thank you for your comments, but I, I wanna make sure that I say to all the teachers and staff um, on this call or, or just even statewide, just thank you. Um, you guys really are um, essential and um, we hope that we can get you the, the vaccine quickly. If I could, I'll just add, uh, first of all, I want to echo what Amy said about thanking you all. I think you all have done an amazing job and, uh, and, and hats off to you. I mean, it's been a really tough time. You know, I also want to just kind of give a shout out to the university uh, and, and the faculty there who really flip, I mean, talk about flip a switch. We, so we found out that we were going to go all online right before spring break. And we were all online right after spring break. I mean, I mean, to, to, to take a whole university of thousands of people and switch over entirely to online when most of us weren't doing anything online uh, before that is nothing short of incredible. So I think both, you know, all of our schools, K to 12, all of our schools and our universities really deserve a lot of credit for everything that they put in to make this go well. Um, in terms of what can we do, you know, I, I would just say make as big a fuss as possible. You know, I, I mean, talk to people across the state, get them to talk to their representatives. When you send an email or something to the legislature, send it to every single representative, send it to every single Senator. You know, the more that we make that, that point, um, you know, the better we will be. And I don't know whether it will help right now. I don't know if it will change the outcome, but I will say, I want it on the record for 2022. I want it on the record, how upset people were, how many comments they heard that were completely disregarded um, and, and I think that that is something that we can do looking for the future for better leadership in 2022. And I'll just chime in that um, they have been working on this for over 20 years. This is not new. <laughs> the bills have been coming before us for a long time. Now they are emboldened. They believe this last election was a mandate and that they have the authority to do whatever they want in whatever area they want. They are calling this parental choice. Interesting term, right? That this is about parents having the decision on where their kids go and where the state monies go in order for them to do that. Joe and Kevin can talk more detail about the bill that they have before us, but the voucher bill and the private charter school bill will destroy public education in Iowa. Just quite frankly, that was, that's the result if those bills go through. And, and it will be a white flight in terms of kids moving out of the urban areas and into um, districts where they can be transported. They're talking about open enrollment where you would have no limits on open enrollment. Anybody could enroll in any other school. It didn't have to be a contiguous school. So we have enormous issues that we are taking on and we need to do our best to have each and every one of you, if you know anybody in any other districts who have Republican legislators, you need to contact those friends and family members and ask them to contact personally their legislators because it is Republicans pushing this. It is the, their organization and group who are driving this. And if you're going to stop it, it needs to be people from their local areas telling them, no, this is not what we want. I really feel that it's gonna hurt our rural schools probably much more than it's going to hurt our urban schools. 
because uh, those rural schools, there's going to be people that are moving to wherever they would like to go. Uh, I think uh, sports is driving some of this uh, because of uh, this fall, we had a number of uh, players coming in from out of state to uh, play football uh, because Iowa had football and we had legislators, I know, that were upset that some of these players could not play. Uh, you know, it, it, we need to get back to um, the curriculum, not the uh, athletics. Uh, but uh, I, I just, I worry about that. Thank you all so much for your responses. Our next co-sponsor question comes from the American Association of University Professors, I believe represented by Lauren Glass. Hello everyone, my name is Lauren Glass. I'm a professor of English and president of the University of Iowa chapter of the AAUP. We are an advocacy group, not a union. Um, I wanna thank uh, the League of Women Voters for organizing this and I wanna sincerely and heartfelt thanks for all of our legislators who are actually risking their lives to represent us this year, uh, which obviously is unconscionable um, and should not be the case. So my, my heart goes out to all of you in any way that we can support um, you this year, uh, making noise, making calls, uh, we're here. Um, I wanna start by just giving a shout out for the, to the faculty and the students and the administrators of the University of Iowa for this full shift to online, as Christina said. Um, and we've been basically uh, overall successful. We are delivering uh, a quality public higher education online, but we have had um, uh, a, an enrollment drop 13% this semester, and I'm hearing a prediction of 17% next semester. So this is more of a sort of long-term call, well, long-term compared to some of these others, that we're going to- Can we hear your question, please? Yeah, we're going to take a funding hit and we want to know how, if there's any way the state legislature can uh, accommodate and respond uh, to this um, uh, shortfall that we're going to get as a result of our enrollment cut. Thank you so much. Well, I'll go ahead and take start with this and others can jump in. Well, I think it would, there's a little bit of good news on this and that, you know, the the budget processing starts with the governor's budget, and she's done a good job, I think, in making a proposal around higher education. Um, and but it, as people know, the process is just kicking off with her budget. Uh, it has a life of about 12 hours, uh, and uh, that was last a week ago. And now it's up to the House and the Senate Republicans to decide. Uh, where they're going to be. And over the last four years, we've usually seen the governor come in with the best offer, uh, followed by the House Republicans, and then it, it goes even lower with the, with the, the uh, Senate Republicans. And so the process is just getting kicked off. Um, again, it's good that the governor has put, a, put the bar up high uh, compared to other years, and uh, we'll, just, we'll do our best to fight for those resources. We have a legislature, as others will say, and they have, there's been a kind of a, an assault by Republicans on higher education, especially our public universities. There's all these, what I would call more theatrical nonsense bills that have been put out there around things like tenure and overseeing every expenditure of the, of the, uh, of the university. So those are, those are bills that are not going anywhere. 
They just simply create bad headlines uh, around, the, around the country for our institutions here and probably prevent uh, you know, us from attracting people to come home and, and attracting really, really smart talent to these institutions. So I think we're off to the races on where we're going to be. As you know, there was a middle, last June, they cut the budget $8 million in the middle of the night to the public universities, totally unnecessary. We have the money, our revenues are decent. We have the money to get back on track. The question is, will the, do the Republicans have any interest in doing so? I'll just jump into, um, good question, Lauren. Um, good to see you. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean, we, we have the money. We absolutely have the money. <clears throat> They've been talking about, you know, the revenues are good. That's how they justify their tax cuts and so on. And yet, you know, uh, the regents, I think, I think asked for 23 million, is that right? And, um, and I think that the governor suggested 15, which really is only seven new because of the eight that we're making up from the cut last year. So um, you know, that's kind of where we are. But as Joe said, that's going to go down. And I have to say, I think, um, although usually the House comes in a little higher than the Senate this year, there are people in the House who are just putting out all kinds of bad things against the university. They're not happy about various things. And so um, I, I fear that they will not necessarily be any higher uh, than the Senate uh, this time. Um, I do think, as I understand it, that the regents are considering whether to do a tuition increase um, because the, of the concern. You know, they, they have this idea that, you know, kind of if, if they don't come in at Target, then they might have to increase tuition. And I think they're considering that. Uh, I think that's a terrible solution. I hate that that is where we are. I really worry about our low-income students, our first-generation students. Um, you know, they're hurting the very people that they claim that they are trying to, to, to protect. Um, but uh, but I, I don't know if as a last resort, that might be what we have to do. Um, you know, again, I worry because, you know, if our, if our numbers are dropping and then you increase the price, economics tells us that it's going to go down even more. And, and, and I don't, and I think that's the case that has to be made uh, to the legislators, but, um, but, uh, but I, but I don't know if as a last resort, we might end up with a, with some kind of a modest tuition increase. So we will, we will see, but uh, that's not something any of us want. Um, Lauren, I, thanks for the question. I think one of our best opportunities right now is the University of Iowa presidential search. Um, one of the things that we um, are excited about is the fact that we have been uh, hearing that there are really good candidates that have been recruited and that they are, there's a great deal of interest. And our fear was because of all the things that have been done legislatively, that we would have a dearth of candidates. There wouldn't be anybody wanting to come here. And that is not the case. But we also know that having a relationship with the legislature is critical. Uh, Senator Bolcom always talks about how the Iowa legislature is the number one donor to the University of Iowa. And they need to be treated as a donor in fact that you've got to develop relationships with those people. And that, that has not been happening, as you well know. And if you don't have those relationships, it's difficult to be able to make the inroads for funding. So I'm hoping that with this new university presidential search, having a candidate and someone who can really and truly put the time and energy into being in the legislature and working with both senators and representatives in the governor's office. 
Thanks. Thank you so much for your responses. Our next question from a co-sponsor comes from the University of Iowa Public Policy Center's Social and Education Research Program, and I believe being represented by David Brisbold. Hi, uh, thanks to the League of Women Voters of Johnson County for organizing the forum and to all the legislators for uh, being part of it. Um, so researchers at the Public Policy Center at the University of Iowa have a long history of providing high quality objective research to inform policymaking at all levels of government in a variety of domains, including education policy. So my question to all of you is, as legislators, what topics or questions would be helpful to you to have research evidence about to guide your policymaking decisions? I think you've given them a new question, Senator. Well, yeah, I'll go ahead. I, um, thanks for the question, David. It's a great one. We have such expertise at all three of our public public universities, and uh, if you if you have questions about what we should do, be doing on ag issues and like water quality, you've got folks at Iowa State, uh, human health here at the University of Iowa. I'm actually interacting on a, a couple topics of interest to educators, and that's lead in drinking water in our schools. It's, it's an enormous issue across Iowa. We have a lot of old plumbing in, in, in uh, our buildings. And I've been in touch with Professor Dave Schwartney at the University of Iowa, who's an expert on lead and water and how we should mitigate this in our schools. And actually just got a fact sheet from him just yesterday uh, to share with my colleagues about why we should move forward by installing water filling devices that we can test in our schools and, and doing some private well testing. So I think for, for folks, and maybe maybe we're lucky being here in Iowa City, we, we bump elbows with people that are doing really important practical research that can be helpful to Iowans. But um, I encourage faculty to that have interest in the, some of the topics that we deal with in the legislature to reach out to us uh, to share information as well as get advice on how to develop relationships with other legislators and key on keep in key positions to uh, to share your research and, and, and help with. Thank you. Yeah, I, I will just add to that. Um, I, I look up stuff all the time. Every bill I have, I research. I'm looking at you know, different policy um, websites and things like that. We have some really good resources in Iowa, including your your group. Um, so uh, putting that stuff out, making it readily available is really good. You know, the other thing I'll just say is don't hesitate, as I think Joe said, uh, Senator Bolcom, sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to just send it to us. Just, just you know, if you see a bill that's, that's, that's coming, that's going on, um, and you have some information about that, send it to us. Uh, you know, we get really busy. There's a lot going on. Um, we might not have time or think about reaching out uh, all the time. So um, please take the initiative and send it to us. I would be delighted uh, to receive anything um, from you because like I said, I, I, I look up you know, a lot of things myself, but I don't know about everything out there. So I would love to, um, I'd love to get that. By, by the way, I just want to mention to you along those lines, um, now that we're saying that, um, we have someone on the call, Dr. Uh, Eli uh, Perensevich, uh, who has done a lot of work on um, uh, getting kids back to school safely, vaccinations, he's, a, he's an epidemiologist in internal medicine at UI, 
Um, and I know that he's done some work. He's on this call, and I know that he's done some work on, um, you know, ideas for really getting back, kids back to school safely. And I would love to for him to send um, those ideas along to us uh, as we're uh, moving into this debate this week. I was going to mention um, first of all, Eli. Thank you. I follow you on Twitter, so keep up the good work. Um, I just wanted to mention that we need to do a better job showing the public how valuable the universities are in terms of our research. And one of the things that I brought up when we were at the subcommittee the other day on university expenditures and, and basically the revenues coming in and having accountability from the state legislature on all of that, I brought up Iowa State and the Vet Lab. And I said that, you know, Iowa State Vet Lab is an amazing facility and they do a great deal of research for the nation and the world. And so they, we almost lost our accreditation there because they had not upgraded that facility. We have now, and they are one of the premier facilities in the nation. And they are, I asked them when they came and presented to us in the transportation infrastructure budget, what keeps you up at night? And they said animal-borne viruses that uh, spread to humans. Guess what? That's COVID. And I said, if we handicap our universities and their ability to do their research and to be able to turn on a dime, they need to do it quickly. And if we had to wait for the legislature to approve any grants or funding they receive, that would absolutely slow the entire process down and could cost lives. And I think those are the kinds of things the corn growers association, soybean groups, the commodity groups for uh, pork and uh, beef and all of those folks would be affected by having to do something like having a, approval of all of those legislative, uh, basically legislature approving those expenditures and revenues. So we need to get those groups engaged and help, help to help us be able to make the case for why some of these ideas are so bad. It was interesting, they did not sign off on the subcommittee bill for that piece of legislation. The Republicans, they paused, which I think is good, because at least they're starting to think about the damaging effect this could have if we try to slow the process down and uh, not allow the universities to do their job. If I might get, add one, just one really quick point and a triple shout out for Dr. Perencevich. I'm going to be on a call with him after this meeting today. We've invited him to, to testify next week on the 100% in-person uh, mandate that the governor is proposing on the challenges of that. And so we, he, he's been gracious to be out front and basically put it, put it out there with his expertise to help us make better decisions. We really appreciate that. Thank you all for your remarks. Our final co-sponsor question comes from the Grantwood Area Education Agency. Good morning, everybody. I'm John Spear, Chief Administrator at Grantwood AEA, and I'd like to thank the League of Women Voters and our legislators uh, for being with us this morning. And I know our legislators well enough that I know what your answer to the question is gonna be, but I think the discussion is very important. Uh, we're in a critical time in public education as we will have just experienced one of the most disruptive times in modern American history. At this time, it's critical to support public education 
as we help students, staff, and families recover from the global pandemic academically and social-emotionally. Diverting public funds away from public schools will be a deterrent to meeting the needs of all, and I'll underline all Iowa students. Do you support the implementation of school vouchers in private charter schools? Yeah, it's a really stupid idea. That's all I can say about it. And for the life of me, what I don't understand is if there's anything the pandemic has taught us is how darn valuable our public schools and AEAs are. I mean, it just rose to the top how valuable our schools are. And now the first thing out of the chute is, well, we're going to attack them a little bit. It's just, it's just goofy to me. But remember, you know, we were talking a little bit before with David and the policy group. Uh, we now have a United States Congresswoman from the Southeast region that's still under being contested, who directly in front of me at the state capitol with a student from Iowa that done research on radon gas, tell that student that radon gas does not exist. Sorry, that goes off on a tangent. No, the, I, I think I, taking anything away from our public schools right now is just plain stupid. I'll echo what Dave said. And John, I was just going to say absolutely opposed and we'll do everything we can to fight those efforts. Um, we have 6,000 students statewide that we have lost in our public schools this year, and that equates to about $42 million. That will show up again next year in terms of we're one year behind in our funding for schools, and obviously that's going to have an enormous impact, which is why we need a decent and uh, a supplemental state aid for schools this year so that they can survive this. And we've got to do more to make sure that they can weather this storm. It is a storm. Most of the kids that did not start are kindergartners. And we're seeing over 2,000 uh, kindergartners who did not enter into school this year. Um, they will start next year, whether they go in as kindergartners or first graders, it's gonna be an enormous bump in those two grade levels. And obviously we need to do everything we can to support our schools and to make sure that the funding is there so that they can accommodate those additional students beginning next year. I think it's over 300 kids in Iowa City alone. And um, I know Clear Creek and some of those have seen an increase, but it is, that's atypical. That's not the usual. Most of them have seen a decrease. Mary, collectively, the 32 districts in, a, in, a, in our AEA lost 1,106 students this year. We normally grow between 250 and 650 students. And John, I would assume that's both rural and urban? All across the board. Um, urban, urban, suburban, rural. Some, some are stable, a few are up, a lot are down. Yeah, just I, I'm completely opposed to to the vouchers and all the whole thing, the whole thing. Um, and you know, my view is, look, if, if people want to homeschool their kids, if they want to send them to private, that that's fine. Like that's their choice. They do not, they are not entitled to money to do it from the state. Um, public money should be for public schools. Hey, 
Hey, Joe, could you talk to uh, specifically about some of the things that are in that voucher and charter school bill? You were sharing that yesterday on the Ed Forum, and I think it would be helpful for the league uh, listeners to hear that too. I'd be, I'd be happy to, and I think uh, Representative Bohannon hit it on the head, public money for public schools. That's, that's what we're, I think everybody's for on this, in this delegation. So let me just hit, hit the high points. Um, we would essentially create a private voucher uh, for a public school family to take to a private school in the, in the range of about $5,200. The estimated diversion, although the governor, I think, her plan says it's $3 million. There's been a some analysis that it's more than just north of $50 million a year that would be lost to our public schools. So of course, that's, that's a great concern given the fact that we've kind of been starving our K-12 system for the last decade. It would allow for uh, charter schools to be expanded um, uh, outside of the jurisdiction of, of a, a local school district or board of directors. Um, it would allow open enrollment, and somebody mentioned earlier that I think uh, Senator Kinney on the issue of athletics, there's concern about that. There's actually a story in the paper this morning about uh, the impact potentially on the athletics uh, around the state, and so actually some concern from people in athletics about what this might do to kids jumping around from district to district. Um, it would eliminate voluntary diversity plans that some districts have put in place to make sure that we have diverse classrooms and, and, and deals with, also deals with the issue of open enrollment around uh, a concern that people have, especially in some of our larger districts where kids might, uh, the, the term white flight is used, but basically exit a district because they want a different environment for their child. Um, and then there's some tax pr uh, provisions in it as well that expand some of the tax credits for, for um, things like, um, uh, school expenses um, uh, and uh, tuition and textbook tax credit. So a, a little bit of tax stuff as well. But I think the most concerning part of the private vouchers, for me, that's that's the big big one. I'm, I'm concerned about this open enrollment issue, and I, I still support the ability of districts to, to have diversity plans to make sure all, all our kids are getting an equal education. I'd like to take this opportunity to just say thank you to everyone who is participating as an audience member or viewing this forum live on Facebook or watching it subsequently on the league's website or on our Facebook page. This is a new uh, thing we're trying here and definitely uh, I am finding that um, even though I we had had some idea of the time because we did limit the length of the forum a little bit from what we normally do, we are in our last 15 minutes. So we will not have a lot of time for questions from the audience as we normally would. This is actually when we would normally take our last question from the audience. Um, I would like to kind of see what the legislators are thinking about in terms of, would you like to ask for one question from the audience? It seems a little bit odd, but it's certainly not up to me. I know. I think we're happy to have questions. I know I saw one um, hand raised very, very early on, um, and I think I see we have one up here now. So, Tammy Knighton, it looks like you have a question. If your question is prepared, please go ahead and get, propose your question. 
Thank you. Um, I'm wondering if you can speak to the um, legislation that the governor mentioned in her condition of the state address that would further penalize any crime against the police officer. Given that our state has not had any accountability in over 16 years for abuse of force um, and our woefully inadequate mental health systems, particularly for children and youth, this will likely further erode human rights in Iowa, both in terms of racial and disability justice. We don't have any numbers, we don't have the data of police interactions in mental health facilities. It's not just about crisis services, we need that, but we don't know about interactions that are occurring. We know they're occurring in inpatient facilities, residential, other mental health facilities, and a lot of people just aren't, that's not on the radar. We need that data. So my question is, what's the status of the bill? What are plans for pushback? And is there any chance if that bill makes it through that you can amend um, a request for that data to be gathered? Thank you. I have not seen the bill yet. Uh, I know that there, there's talk that the governor is introducing a bill. I've talked to uh, the chair of the judiciary that he is going to be sharing that once uh, uh, that bill is uh, introduced. Uh, I, can, I can ask, uh, I believe Joe's on judiciary this year with us, so we can ask that some of this be included. Uh, it's just too unknown right now. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen anything. I've just, I've just heard, Tammy, I've seen what you've seen just in terms of the press reports on it. And um, it's good to have Kevin's involved, Senator Kenny's involvement in this as well. He's got a lot of experience, but I do, I share your concern about um, making sure that there's accountability and policing. Um, and I hope that we're not just seeing uh, a bill here that's a political statement uh, as much as it is making sure we have accountability. Uh, it looks like we would be able to take one other question. That's okay with the legislators. Leslie Carpenter, please go ahead. Thank you. You have a lot of participants on this call, and I'm wondering if you might be able to comment on how people in the general public can best advocate against bills and for bills that are presenting. For instance, next week at the judiciary, we have the bill that they've introduced to provide the death penalty in the state of Iowa. I'm looking for you guys to give input to the general public about how they can advocate effectively. Continue, continue reaching out, Leslie. I, I'm getting uh, hundreds of emails at this point uh, about the death penalty, uh, where you need to reach the Republican legislators. Uh, this is uh, coming from uh, the very far right of that caucus, and uh, we need to. Uh, you need to let them know how you feel. Um, it's to the point where I, I haven't been able to answer all my emails because I'm getting so many on this and, and, and some other bills right at the moment. Um, so I'm trying to answer the ones from my district, but first, and then we'll expand from there. But uh, people are, 
people are reaching out on that particular bill. And I think that you need to reach the, those Republican legislators on that, especially on the Judiciary Committee. I think- I'm sorry, Dave, go ahead. I think Senator Kenny uh, referred to it directly and indirectly. We answer our constituent emails first and then from outside of our district second, at least I do. I try to answer every one, but I always pay attention to the constituents first. That's why we need to have people in other districts contacting their rep and their senator. Because uh, I will say I've heard quite a bit on the death penalty. Most of what I've heard from District 74 is against it. And most of what I've heard outside of District 4, 74 is for it. So I would agree, just keep contacting us, whether it's email or phone or uh, text or whatever you need to do, um, please continue to contact us. But more importantly, if you know people in these Republican districts, please call them, ask them to contact their legislators, both senators and representatives, and ask them to weigh in because absolutely we do respond to our own constituents first. And if they get letters from their own constituents saying we oppose this, it will have more of an impact. So again, try to reach out to others in those Republican areas. It will help all of us. And sending a um, concise personal message rather than um, clicking on a website that says we're going to send this form email um, on on your behalf. Um, the message reaches us um, much better that way. Thank you all for your thoughts and advice on that question. Thanks to all of you, those with questions and those with responses, those that have been viewing in the audience and those that will be viewing the rebroadcasts later. Thank you to also to our co-sponsors, the Iowa City School District, Iowa City Education Association, American Association of University Professors, University of Iowa Public Policy Center's Social and Education Research Program, and the Grantwood Area Education Agency, and of course, to the local television staff for filming this event and live streaming it on the League's Facebook page. Rebroadcasts of this forum will be run on Iowa City Channel 4, Coral Vision, and North Liberty TV. You can see their respective websites for programming.